Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Open World. Today, here with us, we have Federica Luzardi. Federica began working in the video game industry when she moved to London in 2011 to study for an MA in audiovisual translation. After a brief time as a language tester for Sega, and also after translating her first game for Codemasters as a freelancer, she worked at Pole to Win as an in-house translator and team supervisor. Federica joined Square Enix in 2016, where she currently works as an Italian translator and editor. Her work encompasses translation for games and marketing campaigns, and she has translated games such as Life is Strange 2, Life is Strange Before the Storm, the Final Fantasy trading card game, and Professor Layton vs. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Welcome, Federica. We are super happy to have you here today. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here as well. Welcome, Federica. <laughs> I love your background. Who are your buddy buddies there? Snorlax. I'm seeing Snorlax. Yeah, I see Snorlax there. Snorlax because uh, my boyfriend actually works in Pokemon, so... Ooh. Oh. How cool is that? What a power couple there. Yeah. <laughs> love it. He's basically us, like is the representation of I love it. Snorlax who has wins? always been Fat my Chocobo? favorite. Oh go ahead. Fat... No, who wins? Fat Chocobo or, or Snorlax? Um, I say Fat Chocobo is the fetter. So probably it's me. <laughs> um, I think you're right. I like thinking a lot, so. Um, and the first reason the Fat Chocobo is even fatter than Snorlax, which is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, Federica, as I said, it's a real pleasure to, to have you with us today. And we were super curious about your career. Um, we wanted to know what's been the biggest challenge so far establishing yourself as a translator. Right. Yes. Um, I think, in general, I've been pretty lucky with my career because I entered the industry right after uh, studying, after finishing my master's actually. Uh, but I think in general, like the biggest challenges has, have been how to choose my path. Mm. So let's say, and I'm not saying um, choosing whether to be a tester or whether to be a translator or teacher, but I'm saying whether to, uh, to choose the kind of translator to be. Uh, each type of translator brings their own challenge. So um, in the past 10 years, I've been working both as a freelancer a bit in between the in-house jobs and um, as an in-house translator for a publisher and also as an in-house translator for a translation agency. And I think all of them are eh, they're kind of different challenges to, to establish yourself. And if I want to start from the freelancing position that I'm not doing anymore, but I can hear that my, my ex-colleagues have exactly the same problems. Um, I would say that, first of all, um, due to the harsh competitions that there are between video game companies, usually you come work both as an in-house translator and a freelancer for video games mm. at the same time, because usually your NDA would say that you can't work for a competitor, basically. So even if it's not the same kind of video games, usually you want to avoid that. Which is mm -hmm. hard somehow, because if you live in an expensive city like London, you'd like to have a kind of dual wage, if, if I can call it like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's very tempting, but you can't. So either you work for another translation field 
or you keep doing one or the other. And the biggest challenge for myself is choosing, okay, do I want to be a freelancer or do I want to work in a studio in-house? And I would say that in my days as a freelancer, the hardest thing that I had to do was trying to beat the competition because there are a lot of freelancers out there and a lot of valid linguists. And especially for my language pair, from English to Italian, there's plenty of people doing that. And also, there are also not professional translators, let's call them like that. There's people Mm -hmm. who think that speaking two languages make you a translator and and that that's no matter the the language that you're translated into that applies to any language yes. <laughs> there are people yeah. that are not yeah, necessarily professionals right exactly and, and it's a bit it's a bit hard because not only you have to keep a competitive rate compared to your to your proper colleagues or the other valid linguists but you need to keep a competitive rate um with these people that want to be translators, but they're not really translators. And I noticed that the rates are keep going down and down, and not only for the competition, but also for the changes in the industry. So I noticed that this year, for example, there's more and more, in, more, and more agencies or more and more companies that due to COVID, they say, okay, but we're not earning so much, so we're going to lower your rate as well, mm. which is not really fair oh. in a way, I'd say, because no. I, I understand that they're not earning as much as they were earning before, but we also need to live, you know. So yeah. we exactly, can't we all need to to pay our bills. You're still doing the same excellent work. You would hope. Exactly. You're you're exactly. spending your time. You're okay. You maybe you're not traveling because you're not taking transport, but um, you still need to pay your bill, as you said. So it's not really fair, I think. Um, plus, it's not just a matter like being a freelancer. It's not just a matter competitive rates but also you always need to be on the lookout for new opportunities so you can't yeah. be lazy and just sit there and wait <laughs> for jobs to come um right. you need to keep looking either on linkedin or on the platform like pros that i'm not really a big fan of to be honest but um <laughs> yeah you, you need to you need to be proactive say and you can't uh, stay still and do nothing and um and if you don't find jobs, you might have periods where you don't earn any money for a few weeks. And that's, I think, a big challenge. And maybe you need to find yeah. something else to do in the meantime, like some translation for other fields that maybe are not ideal for you. Yeah, and that's the thing that you you end up, uh, because of this need to to cover your your essential bills and, and your essentials, for that matter, um, you, you end up working in other fields and you start losing that opportunity to become a specialist in mm. what you're passionate about. And there's also the other side that there are um, other companies that are may not be as professional as well and may take advantage of people that are not are just coming into the industry and may not be as experienced on how to uh, present their rates or how much to charge or how to quote a project project. And since there are not many opportunities out there, they are tempted to lower their rates even more to be more competitive. And yeah, it's uh, a bit it's of a, bit a, challenge of a dual, dual challenge dual issues mm-hmm. both for the for the companies and then it reflects on the freelance translators, of course. Yeah. And absolutely. I, yeah. And I found there are similarities 
between being a freelancer and working as an in-house translator for a translation agency. Because um, usually um, translation agencies don't offer you permanent contracts unless you're very, very lucky like me. When I entered Paul Twin, Paul Twin in London just just established. I think it was a few months that I was there. So it was one of the few people. I was thinking employee number 30. So it was really, really early. And they're huge that. now. It's amazing. And they're huge, exactly. And I was really lucky and I almost got the permanent contract almost immediately. But wow. um, most of the people that I saw coming through the years when I worked there were employed as um, a project basis contract. So obviously, right. maybe you're there for three months because it takes three months to translate the game that they're offering you. But uh, maybe then you stay home for a month months uh, or maybe they offer you a position that you're less keen on doing like being a tester <laughs> I really like being a tester it's where you start but then ultimately mm-hmm. I wanted to be a translator so it's not it was not really my dream plus if you if we think about establishing ourselves as translators um, both freelancing and working in-house for translation agency have the problem that often you're not credited for the games that you're translating because often they credit the, the agency than the C translators. And that's a bit of a problem when you want to build your portfolio. Right. On the other hand, if you're working like for a publisher like I do, yes, it has more securities, it has more advantages in the long term, um, like being included in the green credits, working for renowned <laughs> companies. Like you can go around and say, oh, I work for Square Enix. And Nice, you're working for Square Enix. But if I say I'm working for Portuguese, it means it's established for us in the industry. We know what it is, but not for the general public. Right. And on, on, on the challenges side, it's, it's much, much harder to enter because mm. there are not many companies that have in-house teams anymore. Um, and the employees, the current employees, tend to keep their hard-earned position for many years. So there are less opportunities on the market. Just so that you know, like I applied for three jobs in total in Square Enix during like two, three years. Wow. And I only entered for the last position they applied for. So you need a lot of patience. And I think those are the main challenges that you are facing when you want to be an established translator. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you're determined enough as you were and you kept applying and applying and you were. (laughs) very very interested in in working at square enix then you might just get it like you did right because sooner or later sooner or later someone will change their job so positions will open but it's not as common as for a translation translation agency for example Mm -hmm. well with all of that you've mentioned your portfolio it seems like you've had experience working with a lot of not only different positions but different game genres as well uh so i'm wondering Really, what would be the difference in your mind between translating, say, a visual novel uh, and other video game genres? You're right. I've been translating, um, yeah, I would call it visual novel or, as they call it now, like kind of walking simulator. Sure, yeah. Walking simulator on Steam. Yeah. Um, Or I've been translating a racing game as soon as I entered the industry as a freelancer. I've been translating puzzle games. RPGs, adventures, because the more, the more names you put in a game genre, mm. the more it's fashionable right now. So 
adventure oh, action yeah. <laughs> for sure puzzle, something a little something. of everything ro ro roguelike souls like <laughs> that come up now and yeah first of all i think uh, in general if you're a game localizer you need to be interested in a bit of everything sure so it doesn't depend on the genre also on the genre um, you need to be interested in things like from culture to current events like geopolitics um sports uh, whatever you need for your game so you need to research as soon as you as you receive a game to translate you need to research and yeah. um, you learn more and more and um, I'd say one of the distinctive traits of visual novels is that there are text heavy games mm. very text heavy mm -hmm. and the majority of the text files that you're going to receive are um, because of the different ramifications of the story and the presence of multiple endings um, the UI, on the other hand, usually it's minimal. Uh, so mostly it's just dialogue and dialogue choices. And um, not only you need to translate that, not only you need a good context or the game available, if it's available somewhere, but also a breakdown of the ramifications and their consequences. And those are crucial elements to translate visual novels, which maybe are not as crucial for other games. Um, and you need to keep into account that Sometimes the choices and the dialogues are not tidy in the files you receive, so um, you really need that breakdown of how the whole game is going in order to understand how oh, yeah. to translate the various things, because maybe you have the whole dialogues and the whole lines of one character first, and then you have the whole dialogues and the whole lines of the second character, and they're not in the order where they pronounce them, how they pronounce right. them. Um, so it's it's quite hard to build a natural and flowing dialogue with right. those kind of file structures because sometimes you find a, a string that says yes and you don't know what it refers to so it can be translated also as a no depending on how you translated the question before so right. you know, oh yeah to, that's know, tricky go back and forth and check and uh, do all those, those double checks so the only thing that helps you if you don't have any context is the string ID usually and mm. depending on how the developers work can be useful it can be helpful but not so helpful <laughs> also the string IDs change all the time depending on the updates so maybe you don't want to rely too much on them either um, it, it's an interesting say uh, research of context research of uh, ramifications and you need things that you need to go back and forth say and other than that, I think the other crucial point of visual novels is that you need to have a good characterization mm. for um, the NPC. Not the NPC, I wouldn't call them NPC. I would, I would call them like the main characters of the game because in the end they're not really NPCs, but people that you you talk to during your story. Um, and obviously, if I'm, I'm taking into account the, my experience with Life is Strange. Um, okay. If... Um, because it's a game that is so immersive for the players and players feel so emotionally attached to the characters and the story. Yes. You don't want your characterization to be plain and boring. You don't want all the characters to sound the same. Um, so you need to find a kind of, uh, I would say this, yeah, traits, distinctive traits that characterize all of them. And in particular for 
Life is Strange Before the Storm, I had to go back to my teenage years. Even for Life is Strange too, because nice. they're all adolescents, they're all teens. Yeah. And you want them to speak like teens. Of course, you don't want to have this <laughs> high speech of a like high fantasy RPG medieval. Uh, <laughs> Can you, you want, imagine you Skyrim to... voices, Skyrim right. translations? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> you want it to be real. Exactly, you want it to be real. And it's not so easy because I feel no. like, hey, my teenage years were only, say, 15, 16 years ago, but it's a long yeah. time. And I'm not <laughs> used to speak like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and language evolves so fast that probably teenagers don't speak the same way that we used to 15 years ago. Also, yeah. and then they were also talking. Like, I remember that I had to research ways of saying uh, cigarette in German. Mm. And right. disclaimer, I never smoked in my life. So yeah. I never asked for a cigarette to my friends. So like, I have no idea how kids call cigarettes <laughs> these days. So I need to go and look for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was it, it was challenging. It's hard. And same thing when I had to translate a kid in Life is Strange too, because he's ten, and you think they don't talk like adults. Right. They speak like kids. He speaks like kid, like a kid. And I need to simplify the sentences. I can't use um, overly complicated uh, verb tenses, for example, mm-hmm. or I can't use overly complicated um, sentence structures. So you, you need to try to think. You need to pro- possibly to build a style guide yeah. so that you, you remember what you use. Then it's also help for the testers later on. Or if they ever want to do a SQL that I'm not translating, they can take references. And yeah, I think the main uh, challenges of visual novel is these kind of things. While I can make a difference with RPGs and adventures because... Um, in those games, there's a massive presence of variables that are not there in visual novels. So if in a visual novel you have this kind of tidy strings in your cap mm-hmm. tool, um, usually in RPGs and adventures, you have a wall of variables, a wall of tags, and some words in the middle. Sure. Here, <laughs> Context, um, organization, and research out. as exactly. much as possible. Well, would you say that, I mean, I know you work a lot in this genre and we've touched on a few others, but what are you playing right now? Is there a genre that you're super into at the moment? I love Metroidvanias. So um, I was playing Hollow Knight. uh, Nice. Big fans of Hollow Knight. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing and I'm wait- I'm eagerly waiting for Sick Song and I don't know what's coming out because they're not saying anything and every day I'm no, checking their Twitter know. refresh 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 Sorry, <laughs> we're on your side so if we hear something we'll let you know <laughs> yeah. new. I- I'm waiting for it I, I can't wait uh, they think I think they said they will come in 2021 so yeah I, I think I heard the same but well Maybe it's just speculation. Video games industry, right? These days, uh, they keep pushing the release dates. No wonder why. As as if it were so easy to develop a game, right? Yeah, come on. (laughs) Bing, bang, boom. Whip it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there's no delays in video game dev. No, not at all. Never. 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 That doesn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so, Federica, I wanted to know, um, I mean, we know that you translate both video games and also marketing campaigns, right? Yes. Um, 
what do these two tasks have in common and what's completely different? Maybe even requiring a different set of skills that you had to acquire along your career? Um, so yeah, I, I translate uh, usually... I say more often uh, materials and sets that surround the release of the game. So mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about official websites or promotional images, trailers, videos, uh, press releases, and so on. And um, the big difference is that you need to research a lot into the game files because most of the time you are working on marketing materials of a game that you haven't translated yourself. Because obviously, right. I can't be translating every game that Square Enix publishes. Um, it's just me and just one. <laughs> oh my, and just, just a one human person. being. Just a human being. <laughs> I'm not a robot yet. Yet. I'm not a robot yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, the thing is, you you do mar you translate marketing materials on games that you haven't translated yourself, or even games that might not even be translated in your language. Sometimes, like, it's the case of Final Fantasy XIV. It's only translated in French and German amongst the figs. But I still need to, I still get to do press releases. I still get to do videos. Um, right. And it's a matter of, like, your familiarization, if you want to call it like that, is not playing mm -hmm. the game anymore, but it's researching through a ton of game files. And uh, the bare minimum is at least having a glossary with you. Or even better if you have text files, of course, or previous resources. And I found that cut tools are extremely useful for marketing for translation because you can chuck everything in, in your memo queue or whatever other cut tool that you're using and build your TM for that particular game. And um, you'll have you will see that eventually all the marketing assets will repeat themselves with time. So cut tools definitely save you save you a lot of time. A lot of yeah. and you <laughs> love our capitals. You don't have to keep 500 Excel files open to go and look for for terms and just um, 500 search tabs with all your different parallel tabs. There, there are actually <laughs> software that do that for you, but it's still not good as as a TM in a capital. I think. I, I think MemoQ saved our lives as marketing translators because it's amazing. Yeah. It does everything for yourself for you. I'm completely biased yeah. here. I love MemoQ. <laughs> <laughs> we actually recently discovered the plugin for videos, which is oh, oh. that, that sounds very you... futuristic. Yeah, it allows wow. you basically as soon as you open an SRT file, and uh, you can upload the video, the video of the, uh, that they are translating, and you can change your things in the SRTs, and it goes automatically in the subtitle on the video preview. It's amazing. It's magic. <laughs> magic because you don't have to check it later on VSC or there are two. It is amazing. Um, but yeah, I would say um, the thing that you need to keep in mind for marketing is understanding the market, the market that you're targeting, of course. Like you don't need to be afraid yeah. to go to um, the mar your marketing team and say, okay, this thing won't work in Italy because maybe it's very... Uh, specific for Japan, or it's very specific for for um, an English-speaking country, but it won't work for Italy. So um, go to your marketing team, go to your brand team, and say, okay, maybe this we need to change it slightly for our countries. Plus, you always need to try to use a language that is appropriate for the marketing co context. So you don't want to be 
uh, blend in your promotional test. In your promotional yeah. test. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's by our games, right? It's a yeah, first need- approach to your gamers, right? How how can you convince them that the product that they're going to access is actually what they're looking for? You need to speak to them through that campaign. Exactly. And I think you need to be you need to be good with the language in the sense like you need to know how to sell your products, um, which is principally like something that brand needs to do in the first place. And then you're translating the words. In the end, brand is the experts in markets. So you're really just translating their their ideas, but you need to do it in a way that it's appealing for the public. Yeah. And but in general, I would say the marketing translation compared to video games involves a bit less creativity and freedom mm. because in the end, it's just a matter of keeping consistency with the in-game information and you can't really be creative um, and you know add, add new informations that are not in the game because then it'd be confusing. <laughs> also advertising. Exactly. It's, it's and it's you just make up stuff. <laughs> and you also need to be able to chop your text a lot much more than for video games. So we know that for UI, usually you need to be a good chopper. You're a translator mm. because you don't have mm-hmm. much space. But it's even more for uh, metadata because all the metadata, everything that, fit, that ends up in, in uh, like on Steam, for example, or on the PlayStation Store or the Microsoft Store would have character limitation. Uh, so you need to right. be able to sell that game um, in, in convincing words but maybe you need to do it within 150 characters, like for a tweet. You need to tweet it. Tweet it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and imagine if our languages were German, which is oh, yes. way larger than Good Italian luck. and even Spanish. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, Germans, uh, in my experience, all my German colleagues that I had, had were challenged. We right. feel for you, German translators. We, we yeah. see you. We appreciate you. <laughs> I have a special mention for trailers and videos as well. Um, I would say that you need to have a bit of audiovisual background. So you know that um, you know how much text you can cram into a single subtitle. Sense. Which is something that usually you don't do for, for video games translation, right? because subtitles are much longer usually in video games. Um, well, for videos, you need to know that you have uh, a number of characters per line that makes the text readable. And I think that's it's, it's, that's great advice. So yeah, Federica, regarding, I mean, you have I know that you have plenty of experience, and I wanted to to learn more. You gave us a couple of hints on how the industry has evolved and uh, through the the years. But is there any anything specific that you've seen since the your very first steps in the industry and now regarding technology or how fast the content is produced or any other detail that caught your attention throughout the years? Generally, I think um, from a say technical point of view um i think the the industry tends to um outsource much more Mm. than before Mm. um because to be honest uh it's easier it's it's cheaper probably and as i was saying before there's less and less internal in-house teams and the internal teams usually it's harsh to say but we are there for high speed turnaround 
accessible quickly and without incurring any additional costs. Uh, which means that we're very handy for marketing translations, but we're not very convenient probably if you need uh, a team of 20 translators and uh, you're in-house, you need to continue paying wages um, and salaries. While if you outsource, you can just pay them for, for the project. Uh, and it's much right. more convenient. So I think in the future, there'll be more, more outsourced translation, less in-house teams. And if I think about games, I would say there's a tendency to do more mobile gaming and maybe also hmm. VR and AR, Makes which sense. I'm not really keen in starting working to in because I think it's, it would be super confusing. I'm just imagining like wearing my VR set. First of all, I get sick because that's, that's me. So if I need to familiarize myself. Motion sickness as well. Motion uh, sickness, we're with you there. So yeah, I see, I see it very hard to familiarize with a VR game. Um, but, um, and also I see text floating everywhere and, you know, cutoffs yeah. uh, because the text will go behind you. And I can't even play first person shooters, so I'm no judgment on my end. But yeah, apart from that, I think mobile gaming, uh, we re require some new skills, like again, chopping efforts, uh, in order to adopt text on smaller screen and, um, also, I think getting used to work exclusively on one mobile game and nothing else, because usually it's the type of games that get updated, uh, updated very often. So there's going to be right. more ongoing localization rather than, you know, you finish a project, you wrap it up and you go to another project. While right. mobile Live games ups. are updated every, every week. Uh, <laughs> I see that. And finally, I see a stronger presence of automation in the industry, hmm. uh, which we're already seeing through the use of seeing through the use of cut tools, obviously, uh, which helped us greatly uh, for our job because uh, it makes us faster. Uh, it's easier, as I was saying earlier, to 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 look through files and have matches for previous marketing uh, translation. And then there's the dreaded machine translation topic that no one <laughs> wants to talk about. But um, I, admitted, I admit I was very scared at the beginning before listening to all the conferences about machine translation. Um, and then I met Kirstin Anselmi, who's always talking about Yeah. And she, <laughs> I was she amazing. and she convinced me that it's not, you know, the big bad wolf that was... Well, be stealing our jobs eventually. It's just right. like something that will help us doing a better job. Right. Plus, it's not going to replace us for the most creative translations, probably. Uh, and if anything, it probably will create more jobs like post editing or um, teaching, actually, training the AI. And that's something that I'm really interested in. I want to contact Christine again for it because if it's like a kind of sci fi role, very futuristic. Um, well, that, last time I heard Christina talking about AI was over uh, Game Global. And oh, I we missed. Oh, we lost oh, her. Yeah. We lost her, but she's back now. Uh, <laughs> time's up. Share Stop. the camera. Did your boyfriend broke. stole your camera? Stole his camera. Everything broke. Sorry. Everything oh, yeah. broke. How many times do we say Just that a day? Down at work? Completely. 
I had a message, a nice message from, from Discord saying, oh, something broke. Oh, need to fix it. Uh, Discord <laughs> has been twitching up uh, its looks and some other stuff oh, yeah, from what I've on seen something. in the last couple of days, and they are apparently working on something. Um, so it's yeah, finish what I was saying, I think. So. <laughs> I think that Flor was talking about the last time you talked with Christina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christina. Let's going back to that. So, uh, yeah, the last time I, I heard Christina uh, talking about AI was at Game Global Summit, where we last met. <laughs> and yeah. I can't wait to, to hear uh, what they are doing right now and new discoveries on that field, because it's super, super interesting. I agree. I agree. It's very interesting. Uh, plus, I'm, I'm a fan of sci-fi, so <laughs> I count it as sci-fi. It's good. I think it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it evolves, especially. Yeah, we can say that we live in the future now, right? Exactly. <laughs> as long as it's not Google Translate, everything is fine. No. Oh, oh no, God, I'm no. I'm going full metaverse here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Except for the VR just yet, unless they can work the motion sickness. I mean, thing. they will work it through. I mean, they, they have to work around that. Uh how many people have yeah. motion sickness with, with that? Probably it was a, a lot for uh, for three D cinema. I think uh, the first time yeah. I saw films in three D at the cinema, I was I was feeling sick halfway through. But they've gotten so, better too. Exactly. I think I think so. At yeah. least I'm not working. I have friends working in cinema. They, mm -hmm. I might ask if if it still has some success or if no one is going to see three D films. I, I don't know. I need to ask. <laughs> um. So, Federica. Um. I want to bring up something that actually we talked about a few weeks back um, about the localization of indie games, of some indie games that you've come across that weren't localized uh, into Italian. You mentioned it earlier as well. But you told me that you reached out to some of the devs, right? So what can you tell us about that interaction? How did that work out? Because you told me just that, and I never knew how it ended. Yeah, I'm the the annoying person that goes to to the developer <laughs> and uh, and asks why a game is not translated. No, but I'm 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 a passionate Switch gamer, and yes. I'm not too fond on playing on PC because I think I spent my entire childhood playing on PC because my dad was playing video games and he thought that PC was the ultimate platform so i said you don't need a console so i need to compensate now and i see that um the, the indie games that were previously only published on on steam usually yeah now get to arrive on switch and it's great because i think like some indie games are really really valid i mean hollow knight started as an indie game um, yeah i have a thousand plus hours on the Binding of Isaac. Nice. An indie game as well. Um, yeah. And I noticed that um, there's a lack of Italian localization. Uh, and I, I tend to play in Italian whenever I can, mostly because I like to see the job done by my colleagues. Also, like I like to keep my mind trained on the language that I'm working on every day because I live in London. My boyfriend is not Italian, so I speak English all the time. And that helps me. Even playing games in Italian or reading books in Italian, I always try to do that. And yeah. um, and I know, unfortunately, that 
there's a lot of players in Italy who won't buy the game just for the lack of localization because they don't feel confident enough to, mm. to play a game in English, especially if it's a text-heavy game. Um, yeah. And yeah. I also know that there are some Italian streamers that I follow that tend to not bring the game to their challenge if it's not localized in Italian because they will spend more time trying to explain what they're doing to the chat sure. uh, rather yeah. than enjoying the game. And it, it's a bit of a pity. So I was playing actually Narita Boy at the time yeah. that I found that it's um, because I told you that I found a Metroidvania, so I was trying to find new ones. Yeah, makes sense and, that you were playing it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I reached out um, a few developers, um, including this this guy from Narita Boy, which is um, from Studio Koba. And he was very, very nice replying. Um, and he told me that they were not planning to localize their game in Italian uh, because um, apparently their numbers talked of a low style estimation in Italy mm. and they prefer to give priority to the Asian market. And bear in mind, I reached, I reached him out because the game is translated in French, German, French, German, and Spanish. So I was wondering why. Oh, that's curious. So close to Italian. Italian. <laughs> so close. Right? It happens. It, it, it happens makes more sense. often than you think that Italian is but excluded. It, oh. It makes sense what he said, but at the same time, it's like a vicious circle, it it may seem, right? It's like, you know, market research yeah. shows that Italians don't game a lot, but I, I wonder why. Self-fulfilling and, prophecy. Yeah. If they don't have games in Italian, of course, you know, you're not going to see it as much. You're going to play more yes. if you have more games in Italian. And maybe it's just Metroidvanias that are not so popular in, Ita in Italy, so the market yeah. research showed that. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. But anyway, like it was very nice answering, and I thought, like, okay, how can we solve this vicious circle, as you said? And um, it's something that I was also discussing in the past uh, Game Global panel about uh, training and recruitment. And um, I often see that there's a dual problem of indies not being local and students that don't manage to enter the industry because, of, of course, the industry requires experience to enter, and students don't have experience. And often they don't have real text to train on because the companies are not very willing to give real mm -hmm. projects, even if they're old projects. Yeah. And it's mostly because no one in the company has time to go over text files to delete right. comments or delete content that never never that was never published in the end. Because of course text files include both content that was published and content that was never published. So they don't really want to spend time or have a person that is just spending time on cleaning the text files to give to students. So I was wondering why um, can't students try to translate indie games? Why can't developers actually make it kind of official, like maybe through contest? Or I remember Lockjam in the past. Uh, you know, it's back, right? It's back this year. I saw that Alan put something on, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, it is. And yeah, I think it's it's a good way for for students to start because in because indies indie developers probably want want to require super you know uh, good localization at the start and yes. they can always hire an editor maybe to to fix the problems if they don't think the students have enough experience. But at the same time, like they could use them for university projects so that actually students would have some experience or would put their hands on something real that is yeah. not just a mock-up. And right. 
this way, I think there could be the useful cooperation somehow. That's just my yeah. opinion. I don't want in any way like promote free free work, free organization, <laughs> but if it's for students. Um, but yeah, I, I totally ag agree with you. I mean, last year, uh, was it last year? <laughs> yeah, I think it was 2020. <laughs> I'm isn't real um, anymore. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. <laughs> 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 At some point in the past. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple of months ago, I helped organize with some colleagues um, a localization bootcamp for Argentinian uh, students. And it was an, a great experience because, as you said, they don't get enough um, resources or content mm -hmm. to practice with. And spaces like Logjam are essential for students to to get out there and gain the experience that they need to to be good uh, video game localizers. Exactly, because I remember that when I was at uni, like I I did this really good master with with Miguel Bernal and had a mm -hmm. class on, on video games localization, so it was not just audiovisual translation. Um, but I couldn't. It was all like chunks of text they managed to to get from video games that probably he owned and he extracted the text from there, like probably copy pasted. That's the text so sweet. There. You oh, see right there yeah, the, the right? passion. And he's, he was amazing. He's amazing. But yeah, it would be nice to have a full game, especially indies that are not huge. Maybe it's like, I don't know, 10,000 words. It's something that, or 20,000 words is something that um, you can do in a, in a university project easily. Mm -hmm. Also like as a team, maybe. And um, it would be nice. And I think it's a win-win situation for both parties. Yeah, well, I remember back then we accessed uh, a list of open source video games because, of course, we mm. didn't want to breach any um, contract or copyright or anything or, or go no. against um, other person's uh, job or lifetime work. And we got access to pretty interesting games, and we ended up working around a board game. And we we also reached to to the developers and and the people behind uh, the initial game that we were planning on doing. And it was a single person behind the 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 game. And they since they had another job, they just worked on that game whenever they could, and there wasn't enough like content that you could extract and it was a bit complicated uh, and at the end we, we ended up working on that board game and it was a super fun experience so if there's any translator or anyone who wants to access um, content and doesn't know where to um, we can definitely leave the, the website on the open source video games over there uh, so that in case you need some reference material or want to play around and try to translate any in the game that um, games, just let us know. <laughs> so now, after I think it was an incredible uh, interview, we're going to finish up with a, the round of memes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Laughing I and crying. Yeah, yeah, I played a game just, just last week. That it was by a Chinese company, a Chinese indie uh, development studio, and this meme is pretty very accurate to what these guys did. It's yeah. It, I mean, it's, you see it pretty so commonly. Sad. Unfortunately, it's it's out there. 
And I mean, there's yeah. so many factors that lead to Google Translate, right? Like budget, yeah. time, planning, easy. convenience, knowledge, right? Of of what they are doing, also. Sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes they, they, it's just their first game, and they're so excited about development, developing it that they don't really think about localization until they need to pitch it to the publisher or even publish it um, on other platforms to see how the the audience receive it. So, <laughs> and then yeah. that's the circles circle vicious, oh. the vicious circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, where you get like the uh, crappy translation, so you get bad feedback from your audience. They don't buy your game. You don't get enough money to make it better, and <laughs> or you need to spend an enormous amount of money to to hire to fix it. <laughs> Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, exactly. it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier. It's mm -hmm. instead yeah. of going to free Google translation, take another exit from the highway and, <laughs> and go to students. <laughs> we beg you, you always, choose another you exit. Always, you can always, uh, yeah, pick another exit. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. cats will be there. <laughs> it summarizes our conversation, right? <laughs> but are That's they what, I mean, doing they, it they wrong? Can. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with this meme. That looks pretty right to me. <laughs> I don't know if it's that wrong. I'm on board. <laughs> they Tiny can. Can. If they're there, you know, they 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 they, if they work as a kind of um, anti-stress balls. So I would say they. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As well. Absolutely. But yeah, it's not the, the standard cat tool that you think about, I suppose. <laughs> I do remember yeah. when I was in grad school and I was looking over the course list for what I would have to take to graduate. And I was just, I, I mean, I was a linguist at the time, but had no experience in translation or interpreting or anything. And I definitely saw the cat class and for a minute got like a little excited. <laughs> Like, I know for a fact that this is not a, like, translation grad program about cats. I know that it's not, but it says cat right there. You were waiting to open the, the, the door and see a bunch of kids yeah. running around. A girl can dream, okay? I mean, yeah, exactly. That would be amazing. What a nice therapy in between classes. Right? Also, also, I think that every office should have a cat. I agree. So, not just yes. cat tools, but seconded. <laughs> Uh, if you need support to put that in, into action, just count us in. <laughs> yes, viewers who want to sign our petition can find it in the links. <laughs> yeah, into, what is it? Change, change the org or something. But I, I mean, it, it's for mental health, right? So yes. it's a win-win situation for yeah. everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the other cat, and that was me after finishing, uh, because always, always being in the loop of Metroidvania after Hollow Knight, I had to play Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Oh, and that was my to-do game. I, I was crying for an entire night. The pain is real. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> 
When was this? <laughs> Please tell me it wasn't during lockdown. <laughs> it was during lockdown, actually. <laughs> oh, You're so brave. That's a lot of feelings <laughs> to be feeling. Yeah. It was last year. For um, sure. Oh, yeah. This is great. <laughs> this is great because uh, I had to choose it because Age of Empire was one of the first games that I played. Same, Same yeah. here. Eating, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. the room of cats under the dictionary just to, yes. you know, balance it out and make sure that <laughs> <laughs> you, you take a breath between between statements and then you find the word. Yeah, I mean, exactly. at least for me, that happens sometimes. I just take a couple of minutes off and then when I get back, it's there. It's yeah, there. I get some distance from it. Unless it's a Friday, right? <laughs> and then it's good enough. Whatever you say is good enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> That's a third cat. We um, love every, <laughs> every French speaking person, but let's be honest here. <laughs> and explain the background because I'm actually. Somebody had French. to say it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, where is my boyfriend? He's not here, right? So um, he's French. Let's, he's French. Be, let's be quiet. Like, keep it yes. just. <laughs> yeah Delo. yeah that was really hard back then when i was studying french the pronunciation is you one thing it's, is it's what you see written and then a, a whole different story is when you try to pronounce it and it's, and it's, it's the hardest things like this happen it's, i'm studying it because i have i've been studying spanish and german at school but i never studied french and i think it's good to have a kind of Know, a bit of everything there sure. especially for figs and plus my boyfriend is french so one day i would like to think that i'll be able to speak to his mom one day <laughs> bon oh, yeah. is that, uh, i mean you ended up you ended up working at Squ square enix so keep we trying. believe in you <laughs> yeah if someone yeah, can do it it's, it's you federica oh thank you that's so kind <laughs> but yeah that's hilarious Oh, I'm going to steal this. It's exactly this. the same expression that I, that I do when I try to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely stealing this. I'm pronounce French. It's too hard. Yeah, <laughs> they do it. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a unique language for sure. It is. And I think <laughs> with that face, <laughs> with it all, <laughs> we close our round meme. It's the um, time to build that wall of uh, crammed words in there. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. The meme round, round. Thingy. The, <laughs> the, the thing. thing. We We're going to do the now. thing after the thing. <laughs> so now we did the thing. <laughs> I, would, I would like to thank you, Federica, for, for joining us today in this episode. We had so thank much so fun. Much. Thank you. Um, and it was really happy. It was really funny. Good. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. And thanks everyone for tuning in today to to this new episode and learning more about Federica's journey throughout the localization industry. Stay tuned for more and see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.